Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunity to come together and, Lord, to gather and to sing praises to you. And, Lord, just to feel your love and your, Lord, your grace upon us, Father, Lord, your spirit. And thank you for just the wonderful, precious, pure time of worship. And, Lord, I just pray that you would just make yourself known to us as we open up your word, as you speak to us. And so, Father, Lord, we, we just thank you that we have this wonderful privilege, honor, and opportunity to gather together as a body to love you and to seek you and to have you love us back, Lord. And, Father, I decrease that you would increase. I empty myself of myself, so fill me with yourself. And everything that I say and do, every thought that enters my mind would be of you, not of me. For praise in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. Right on. Okay. If you have your Bible or Bible app, uh, turn to Proverbs chapter 10. It's Proverbs chapter 10. We're now in part 11 of our series, Wisdom That Works. Everyone say that. Proverbs chapter 10. And as always, you guys know this, right? Before we even dive into the text, I want to do a quick review from last week's text, uh, chapter 9. And there we saw the, the contrast between Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. And I gave you four points, and so you might remember these points. Uh, point number one was the preparation. Say that. And that's in verses one and two. And Wisdom's house has how many pillars? Seven pillars, which represents uh, the wholeness, the, the completion and perfection of divine wisdom. So it's a home where everything we need is supplied. It, it lacks no resources. And, and their lady wisdom has prepared a banquet with choice meat and drink. So whoever comes to her banquet will not remain hungry. They will be fully satisfied. Good place to say amen. The second point of last week's text was the plea. Say that. The plea. And that's in verses 3 through 9. And lady wisdom is making a personal uh, invitation to everyone to come to her uh, feast or banquet and the invitation is open to everyone, right? Everyone, and everyone can easily hear because she's at the top of the city. The third point was the priority. Say that. And that's verses 10 through 12. And I love verse 10. Uh, the fear of the Lord is the, what? Beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So we know to re the fear of the Lord is to respect, to revere, to reverence, acknowledging and respecting his person, his position, and power to create, control, to discipline, and to destroy. And this is the basis, the source, the foundation, the priority of all true wisdom. Again, this is where it all begins. Say that. This is where it all begins, and this is where we proceed. We, we cannot bypass this. We can't jump over it and expect to have knowledge and to be wise. Now, if we live in obedience to him and honor him, we will reap the rewards of wisdom but the one, say the one, who rejects wisdom will bear the consequence. The fourth point of last week's text was the pleasures. Say that. The pleasures. Write that down. Oh, you don't need to write that down. Sorry. <laughs> uh, verses 13 through 18. And there we see Lady Folly. Lady Folly. And it, she's pictured as a harlot, as a prostitute. And it's her seductive invitation. Uh, Come and partake of my secret pleasures, the pleasures of sin. Now, unlike Lady Wisdom, unlike Lady Wisdom, who's up and about preparing the best, right? The best uh, for her guests and who sends out message, uh, messengers to invite everyone who's willing to listen, Lady Folly stays seated as she waits for her victims. And so she offers a meal to her guests, but 
that meal doesn't belong to her. You remember that? And the guests in her house are dead. And whoever crosses the threshold to her house are what? Entering into a world of dead, of the dead. And so she promises much but delivers the worst life possible. This now brings us to today's text. The title of my message today is Lessons for Life. Everyone say that. Now before I give you the first point, let's look at the first part of the first verse, verse 1a. And it says, the Proverbs of Solomon. Everyone say that. The Proverbs of Solomon. And here what we're doing, we're entering uh, the second section of this book. Now remember, chapters 1 through 9, chapters 1 through 9 are an introduction to this book. You guys got that? And here in this chapter, we start the actual Proverbs. There's a change in style. You notice that there'll be a change in style as we move forward here. And here we see Solomon's series of two-phrase single verse, uh, observation, wisdom, sayings. And by the way, friends, each proverb, each verse is its own sermon. It really is. It's its own sermon. And the purpose of the proverbs is brief, pithy, condensed sayings, sermons in a single sentence, moral principles, truths, right? Truths, a practical wisdom given to instruct my life and your life. Lessons for life. Someone say amen to that. So some of the Proverbs, I will expound on them. Others are pretty clear what they mean. I want to remind you before we move forward uh, that the Proverbs are set up in couplets. We learned this in our introduction of the book of Proverbs. It's set up in couplets. You have contrast couplets. You also have comparative couplets and complete couplets. Uh, most of the Proverbs in this chapter are statements with a contrast couplets. They'll say da-da-da-da, but da-da-da-da. Got it? All right? So I want to give you four points, four points from today's text. If you're ready, say yes. Number one is this wisdom and foolishness. Write that down, wisdom and foolishness. Wisdom and foolishness. And let's look at verses 1b through verse 5. And Solomon writes, a wise son brings joy to his father. I want to stop there. Here is one of the, the sweetest fruits of wisdom. A son's wisdom is his father's joy. It brings joy to his father's heart, makes his father's heart glad, right? The one who, who follows the precepts of wisdom makes his father happy, joyful, glad. But there's a contrast, but a foolish son, in other words, one who rejects the instruction of true wisdom, grief to his mother, causing her grief, causing her distress, and I want to say this, other people will suffer because you're a fool, right? Solomon is simply saying that a, a parent is affected either negatively or positively by the choices and actions of their child slash children. David Guzik said this, our wisdom or folly affects more than ourselves. Do you guys get that? Wisdom benefits more than the individual and folly grieves more than the individual. So the bottom line is this, wise son, glad father. Foolish son, sad mother. Yeah? And I don't know where my son Julian, if he's here right now, but son, you make my heart so glad. I praise God for you, son. Verse 2, ill-gotten treasures, things that are, in other words, gained by any form of wickedness, dishonest, Ill or illegal means, have no value. In other words, in the end, they amount to what? Nothing. Say nothing. 
They cannot bring lasting happiness, lasting joy, lasting peace. But there's a contrast again. Got it? But righteousness, right, right living, in other words, which comes from having what? Wisdom, right, delivers from what? Death. And you see, being right with God brings a benefit that money can't buy. You guys with me? It can save your life. The right living pays off. That's what, what he's saying. Right living pays off, whereas wickedness, though it seems to bring prosperity, actually is not profitable. And just like the rich fool, remember him? In Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21, go home and read it. He was great in wealth, but was not rich toward God. Verse 3, the Lord does not let the righteous go hungry. You got to love this. Now, this could be interpreted in two ways. First of all, it could be interpreted this way, that the Lord supplies all our needs. And we know that, right? He supplies every one of our needs. Not our greeds, but our needs. Or it could mean this, the Lord brings satisfaction to our soul. Say satisfaction to our soul. Because the King James renders it as this, the Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. So the principle is directed to the soul. Say the soul. And God will not allow the soul, in other words, the inner life, the appetite of the righteous to go hungry. He brings satisfaction. Don't you love that? But, here's the contrast, he thwarts the craving of the wicked. So God will take care of the righteous, right? That They're satisfied, but he will block the cravings of the wicked. He'll block the cravings of the wicked, leaving their, their greedy desire, friends, and their craving for wealth and life unfulfilled and unsatisfying. Are you with me? I, I, years ago, I date myself here, well, I'm not going to mention the year, but the Rolling Stones came out with a hit called Can't Get No Satisfaction. And they're still singing it. <laughs> you know, obviously they haven't found Jesus yet, because if they would, they would change that song, right? Right? You guys ready for the lesson? Here's a lesson. God will always be found on the side of the righteous. God will always be found on the side of the righteous. If you're saved, say amen. Now listen, friends. He lives in us. He is with us. He is for us. He works through us. He takes care of us. In him, say in him, you and I, we are satisfied. Right? Satisfied. Satisfied. You might not have a whole lot of money in the bank or a lot of possessions, but you and I, we're satisfied. Verse 4, lazy hands make a man poor, but there's a contrast, diligent hands bring wealth. So this is a, a simple, self-evident proverb, right? Hard work and diligence will be rewarded, and laziness won't, unless you're living in a social, socialist country where they pay people to be lazy, Right? Verse 5, he who gathers crops in summer is a wise, the word there is prudent, son. But he who sleeps during, there's a contrast, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. Another translation says, one who brings shame. So the diligent person works when and how they can. They work. Have no problem working. They love to work. The lazy person, on the other hand, misses even the obvious opportunities to get ahead, right? In fact, the laziness, their laziness of the lazy person, their laziness leads to a bad reputation. Why would you want to be known as a lazy person? And I said this 
a while back, maybe two sermons ago, I'm not sure, that there's nothing worse than a lazy Christian. It's a bad testimony. We Christians ought to be the hardest working people on the face of this earth. Right? It brings forth a great testimony. Right? Got that? Verse 5. Verse 5. No, we're done. Verse 5. Okay, number 2. Wisdom and foolishness, number 2. Effects of speech. Say that. Effects of speech. And then we're going to look at verses 6 through 10. Verses 6 through 10. Blessings crown the head of the righteous. But here's the contrast. Violence, in other words, by actions or words, overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. So this is a common theme throughout this book. Those who live according to godliness experience the blessings of God and avoid negative consequences, right? And those who ignore good sense, good sense, wisdom, are more likely to suffer and fail. Got it? Verse 7. The memory, or we could say the name, of the righteous, I love this verse, will be a blessing. In other words, this person is spoken of with esteem and in, in honor, mentioned with praise after their death. So the memory, the name of the righteous will be a blessing, but there's a contrast. The name of the wicked will what? Rot. Question, when you come to the end of your life, when you come to the end of your path, Will it end in blessedness or rottenness? Think about that. Blessedness or rottenness. When you, listen, when, when, when you leave this earth and God takes you home, what will people say about you? Huh? Psalm 112, 6. Psalm chapter 112, verse 6 says, A righteous man will be remembered forever. Forever. Amen? And so you and I, we should live in a way that when we pass, that the memory of our name, right, would be a blessing. Right? Be a blessing. Love that. Be a blessing. Verse 8. The wise in heart accept commands. In other words, the wise person, I love this, is ready, say ready, to be instructed, ready to be guided. In the right way. In other words, they're teachable, right? They're not a know-it-all. They're teachable. Their heart receives the commands of God and says this. They receive the commands of God and says, I want to know what God has to say in his word, and I want to do what he tells me to say in his word. Right? Not just know it, but what? Do it. Notice the contrast. But a chattering fool comes to ruin. This chattering fool, they're always talking but never listening, right? They think, they, they, they think their own thoughts, only hear their own words. They're so busy chattering, friends, that, that they don't take time to listen to wise counsel. And they think that they're, they're wiser than other people, that they know better than God. And as a result, they come, listen now, to a shameful end of life. Verse 9, the man or woman of integrity, this is the person, I love this, this is the person who lives with nothing to hide. In other words, no skeletons in the closet. Got it? No skeletons in the closet. The person who doesn't live one way in public and another way in private. The person who says what they mean, it means what they say. 
This person of integrity, their yes means yes, and their no means no. So notice this. The man or woman of integrity walks what? Securely. They walk surely and securely with the confidence flowing with a good conscience. They know they're right with God. They're a man or woman of integrity. They're doing what's right, what's honorable. But, say but, he who takes or she who takes crooked paths will be found out. So this person will be exposed for the kind of person they really are. Okay, it will be revealed about their life, right? Their, their sin will find them out. And Jesus said in Matthew 10, 26, write that down, Matthew 10, 26, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. Ooh. Verse 10, if you're still with me, say amen. He who winks, now, now that's always a picture in the Bible of the person who is plotting deception. Got it? If someone winks at you, you've got to be careful. Okay? All right? He who winks maliciously causes what? Grief and a chattering fool comes to ruin. Now, back in chapter 6, you might remember this. Back in chapter 6, verses 12 through 15, Solomon warned us about staying away from this kind of person. Stay away from them. And this person not only causes trouble, but if you go back and read uh, chapter 6, verses 12 through 15, eventually destruction comes upon them and sudden. It's like that. Solomon says, stay away from someone like that. Verses, tw- verses 11 through 12. The mouth of the righteous is a what? Fountain of life. So when the righteous person speaks, you and I should listen. We should listen. Because their words bring life to us. Encouragement. Encouragement. Words that bless and words that build up. They're life-giving words. It's like water, friends, that pours from a fountain. Words that stream with refreshment and life. And I love believers who are like that. Right? Their words are refreshing. It's like a fountain of life. When they speak, they encourage you and lift you up. They bring life. But violence, there's a conscious say violence, overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. It's a dark cave of abuse. And what it does, it it seeks to harm and hurt others, to blast them, not bless them, to take away life, not give life. Right? Verse 12, hatred stirs up dissension. In other words, strive, conflict. This is the result of quarrels and, and disputes, angry disagreements. But here's the contrast. Love covers over all what? Wrong sins. Peter quotes this in 1 Peter 4, 8. And so does James in James chapter 5, verse 20. And, and they say love covers a multitude of sins. Now, what does this mean? What does this mean? Let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that love condones sin. Are you guys with me? The Bible is clear, friends, that love confronts sin. Let me tell you what it means. It's like this. When someone does you wrong, when someone hurts you, instead of exposing what that person has done, instead of telling others how badly you got hurt, you cover it. In other words, you forgive them because love speedily forgives and forgets. You don't keep a feud going 
by retaliating or holding a grudge. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 13, excuse me, verse 5D, and we covered this in our series in 1 Corinthians. Love, and this is what you think about this love here is agape love. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Oh, you guys get that? This kind of love, agape love, doesn't keep score of the sins of others. What it does, it refuses to, to dwell on it. Got it? This love doesn't allow the shortcomings and it doesn't allow the failures of others to keep us from loving them. It covers. It moves on. It doesn't bring it up anymore. Verses 13 and 14. Wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning. I love that. Their words and the words will naturally reveal their possession of real, true wisdom. But there's a contrast. A rod for the back of him who lacks judgment. That is, they will deserve, listen now, the punishment which strikes them as a result of their foolishness. Now listen, friends, if you don't want wisdom, then you're going to get beat up in life. You are. I mean, look at, look at the text. The rod is for the back of the person who doesn't want understanding. If you don't want wisdom, then, you know, good luck. Verse 14, excuse me. Wise men store up knowledge. In other words, I love this. They're hungry for it. Let me ask you a question. Are you hungry for knowledge? Of the Word of God, yeah? So, so wise men, wise women store up knowledge. They're hungry for it. They, they want the knowledge of what is good, what is right, like treasures that are to be put to good use. But, there's the contrast, the mouth of a fool invites what? Ruin. Because ruin is brought into a situation through the reckless and careless words spoken in foolishness. Now, now I want to stop there and I want to say this. Let's be honest. We're in church, right? So let's be honest. Every one of us have spoken something in the moment of heated anger and said things, right? We said things that we later regretted and realized how foolish that was. Right? Listen, listen, church. Anger, harsh words, never bring good results. Don't. It's never helpful. So here, here's the lesson. You guys ready for the lesson? Don't talk if emotions are running high. Don't. Don't talk if emotions are running high. Put off the conversation. Just stop. If you know your emotions are running high or the other person's emotions are running high, stop the conversation. Just stop. We will never have a productive conversation when emotions are running high. You know what it does? It invites ruin. When, when, when your emotions are running high, my emotions are running high, and we're starting to have this conversation, it invites ruin. It doesn't, listen, it doesn't, it doesn't work anything out for us. Are you guys with me? So what I would ask you to do is that if you know that your emotions are running high, or the other person's emotions are running high, just take a break. Take a break. And then have the conversation when you're calm. Matter of fact, I would ask you to walk away and pray. Right? Don't force the situation. Let it be a God moment where God brings clear air. Right? An environment. So wisdom and foolishness, effects of speech. Number three is wealth and security. Say that. Wealth and security. Wealth and security. 
verses 15 through 17. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. Now, I want to, I'm going to read this again. And I want to point out to you what Solomon's doing here. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but the poverty is the ruin of the poor. Here's Solomon. Get this now. He's making an observation. Say that. Observation. He's not saying this is right or this is wrong. He's just making an observation. Follow me here. What he's saying is that a wealthy person sees their wealth as a fortress against trouble. And that the other person's poverty makes them vulnerable when difficult times come. Because why? Because they don't have the financial means to get themselves out of a difficult situation. Got it? It's just an observation. He's just looking at that and saying, this is what happens. This is what I see. Verse 16. The wages of the righteous bring them what? Life. Wealth brings some good things, but wealth cannot give a good life. Right? Solomon is not saying a rich person earns a good life. He's not saying that. Rather, he's saying this, a righteous person. Not a rich, but a righteous person earns a good life. You see, the earning of the righteous person brings about life-giving results. But, there's a contrast, but the income of the wicked brings them punishment. So the wicked squander their income for sinful purposes, and bring ruin upon themselves. Verse 17, he who heeds discipline, in other words, instruction, shows the way to life. Say, shows the way to life. In other words, the person who accepts correction, right, correction, who keeps at it, who keeps with it, who keeps on it, experiences true enjoyment in life. They can enjoy a truly meaningful life, the abundant life now. Got that? The abundant life now and eternal life beyond the grave that to me is a secure life. Yeah? That I can enjoy the abundant life now, right? And life beyond the grave, that's eternal life. That's security. We ought to be Christians, the most secure people on the face of this earth. Yeah, but there's a contrast. Whoever ignores correction leads others astray. I want to say this. The reason why some people stop reading the Bible and stop coming to church is because they don't want to be corrected. They don't want to be convicted of something that they're doing. Listen, to refuse correction is the wrong way to live. It's not the way to life. God's word, yeah, it encourages us, amen. It blesses us, but it also corrects us. And I don't know about you, I need correction, right? Wisdom and foolishness, effects of speech, wealth and security. Number four is deeds and destinies. What we do and say and the outcome of that, okay? Deeds and destinies. Verses 18 through 19. Stay with me now. He who conceals his hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. This is deliberately deceiving others as to the real condition of their heart. They're being hypocritical. In other words, this is what this is what it's saying. 
Someone will say, hey, you know, God bless you. I love you. But in their heart, they're concealing hatred towards you. Get that? Huh? I mean, they're saying these good things, but in their heart, they're concealing hatred and dislike towards you. And they spread slander. Verse 19, when words are many, this is a fast talker, okay? Using words to deceive and mislead. When the words are many, sin is not what? Say it. Absent. It's not absent. But the contrast, he who holds his tongue, I love this, he or she holds their tongue is what? It's wise. It's a book of wisdom, wise. And Solomon's point is that a wise person knows when to stop talking. Why? Because they use discretion. They know when to talk. They know when not to talk. In fact, when in doubt, it's better not to speak than to say something you and I might regret later. So you guys ready for the lesson? Here we go. Be quiet. <laughs> say that. Be quiet. Sometimes, you know, it's best. Sometimes the best, excuse me, communication is when there's no communication at all. And sometimes we need to learn when to be quiet. When to be quiet and when to sort out, sort out the things going in our heads, in our minds. You don't want to be known as someone whose mouth is always open and whose mind is always closed. Got it? Right? Verses 20 to 25, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. Now, I love this. All right? The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. Those their words, all right, and advice are of great value. Hmm? Their words help. Their words encourage. Their words comfort and instruct other people. Love that. If you're safe, say amen. When you and I, when we are walking, this is now, and living a sanctified, righteous life, we're going to speak things that are valuable. And there are many of you in this church that just come to me and share with me words of advice and just wisdom. And I love it because I'm encouraged, I'm comforted. What you speak is of great value. Choice. Silver. But here's a contrast the heart of the wicked is of little what? Value. They make evil plans and they try to destroy other people. And this is why their desires are worth what? Nothing, not a zip zero. Verse 21 The lips of the righteous nourish many. So again, the counsel, kind of going back to this again, the counsel of their lips. To the counsel, the counsel of their wholesome instruction serves as nourishment for the mind, for the soul, for the heart. Listen now, for the intellect as well. They make others stronger. Because what? Because of their wise words. Got it? But here's the contrast. Fools die for lack of what? Judgment. Instruction. So what the fool does, the fool brings misfortune and destruction upon themselves by their persistent rejection of true understanding. They don't want it. They don't want it. Verse 22, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth. Your Bibles might say God's blessings makes life rich. And he adds no trouble to it. I'm going to read that again. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. In other words, what's this saying? In other words, when wealth, 
When your income comes from the blessings of God, it comes free from all the drama, all the heartache, all the entanglements that would otherwise suck the joy out of every moment of it. Got it? Verse 23. A fool finds pleasure in evil conduct. In other words, it takes pleasure in doing wrong. They think it's a joke. They think it's a joke. But, say but, contrast, a man of understanding delights in wisdom. In other words, they take pleasure, I love this, in learning more. I love it when Christians just want to learn more and more and more and more and more about God and his word. They take pleasure in learning more to, to understand more what God's word has to say. And they're growing in wisdom Okay, listen, growing in wisdom, get this, growing in wisdom is where they find pleasure. Don't you, I hope we all find pleasure in growing in wisdom. How do you grow in wisdom? You grow in wisdom by being in the Word of God. Verse 24, what the wicked dreads will overtake him, what the righteous desire will be, what, granted. Two very different results uh, of living here, right? This is what we call the law of harvest. The wicked live in fear of punishment for their evil deeds, whereas the righteous can look forward to the rewards of blessings in God's approval, right? The law of the harvest. What you sow is what you will reap, got it? Verse 25, when the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone. Did you get that? When the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone. In other words, they're swept away because they have what? No firm foundation. But here's the contrast. The righteous, the righteous, if you're saved, say amen, stand firm forever. In other words, they're set firmly against all storms of adversity. Now what comes to mind, friends, is Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. You guys know this, right? And Jesus says, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into what? Practice, not just hears them, but puts them into practice because putting our knowledge, listen now, putting our knowledge into practice is wisdom. It's not just knowing, but it's putting what we know into practice. That's wisdom, right? So whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, Jesus says, is a wise man, wise woman. That's wisdom, right? But when the rains come down and the streams rose and Winds blew against that house. Guess what? The house stood firm. But the one who hears these words of mine, right, and doesn't put them into practice, that's a foolish person. And what's going to happen, friends, is when the rain comes down, the streams come, right, and the wind blows against that house, that house will fall because there's no wisdom, no foundation. Are you guys with me? We have a firm foundation. Amen? Verses 26 to 29. As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is a sluggard to those who send him. In other words, if you, if you send a lazy person with the message, <laughs> your message will never get there. Got it? All right? You know what? It's It's, 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 it's irritating. It's like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes. You know, you send this lazy person to get something done for you and it doesn't get done. But you know what? If you send a wise person, right, the message will arrive. Got it? Verse 27, the fear of the Lord adds length to life. The fear of the Lord adds length to life. 
the reverence, right? Respect, knowing who God is. But there's a contrast, the years of the wicked are cut short. Now, I know when we read this, we're like, okay, the fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. And we think, why is it that some Christians die young and why some evil people live long? Don't you see that? I mean, like you, you see someone who loves the Lord and they just, they pass away and you see this person who's just wicked as can be and they're still living. And you're saying, the fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. What's Solomon saying? Solomon's saying this, for the Christian, however long one's life is, and I've said this many times in this series so far, it will be lived to the maximum. Right? To the fullest. In other words, it will be a life worth living. Regardless whether you live short years or long years, it'll be a life, as a believer, worth living. So while it's true that many godly people do die young, we know that, right? It's also true that eternal life is theirs in heaven, and then when he comes back to the new heaven and new earth. Right? Now, if you're safe, say amen. I want to say this. Death is not the end for us. It's not. It's not the end for us, right? In fact, death is a doorway into eternity, right? So either way, we win. It's a win-win situation. But the wicked, say the wicked, their joy of life is short. It's a puny life. A puny life. Puny life. And they will spend eternity in a place that's not life, it's death. It's, the Bible calls that place hell. Separated from the presence of Jesus forever and ever. Verse 28, right? 28. The prospect, in other words, hope of the righteous is joy. Say joy. Why? Because their hope is in who? God, the Lord. But the contrast, the hopes of the wicked come to nothing. Why? Because their hope is in themselves. We don't hope in ourselves. We hope in the Lord. That's where our joy comes from. Right? Verse 29, the way of the Lord is a refuge for the righteous. If you're saved, say amen. When we live in harmony with God's word, when we live according to his ways, guess what it does? It fortifies our lives. But it is a ruin of those who do evil. Why is that? Because this person has rejected the way of the Lord, rejected his way of doing things. You know what they say? They say this, I'm going to do it my way. I don't care what God says. I'm going to do it my way. Are you guys with me? Judges 21.25. Judges 21.25. And the ladies who are going to the book of Ruth should know this. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in what? Their own eyes. Their own eyes. And you know what? That describes today's culture. We live in a culture today where everyone is doing what? What's right in their own eyes, not what's right in the eyes of God. Right? And it's sad what we see in our world today. Scary. Verses 30 to 32. The righteous will never be uprooted. I love this. The righteous will never be uprooted. In other words, will never be permanently or ultimately shaken. When trouble, when hardships comes, they can stand firm. And I got to tell you, friends, I, my wife and I, we've been going through it with some situations and our family and one of our kids and our grandson, and it's been tough. 
But we thank God that we're not uprooted. Amen? That we can stand firm. If you're safe, say amen. Because we are rooted, because we are planted, because we are grounded, established in Jesus Christ, we shall never be moved or removed. Got it? The righteous shall never be moved. That should bring you and I great confidence. But, here's the contrast, but the wicked will not remain in the land. In other words, the wicked will not experience God's blessings in the end. Why? Because time is limited. They're headed for destruction. They're headed for what the Bible calls a place called hell. Now, I want to say this. Knowing that there are many who are just living this way, right, a life of destruction, that should cause you and I not to raise our fists at the world, but to get on our knees and pray for the world. Yeah, what they're doing is wrong. It's wicked. But we ought to be on our knees praying, God, change their hearts. Bring them to yourselves. Help us. Give us God-holy moments to stop and to witness to somebody. Are you guys with me? Verse 31. From the mouth of the righteous brings forth what? Love that. Wisdom. In other words, their lips produce valuable, truthful words, gives good advice, helps to guide the actions right, of those who seek direction in life. But, contrast, a perverse tongue will be cut out. In other words, silenced. Cut out just like an unfruitful tree. 32, we're almost done here. The lips of the righteous know what is what? Fitting. In other words, they know what's acceptable. They have a sense of discernment in what to say. They say the right thing. When they speak to other people, listen now, when they speak other people, excuse me, when they speak other people will benefit from that. But, say but, the mouth of the wicked, only what is perverse. So wisdom, listen now, produces acceptable speech, whereas a lack of wisdom produces offensive, perverted speech. Got it? So here we go. Here's the lesson. You guys ready? Think before we speak. Think before we speak. Before you and I speak, we need to think. That's what discretion does. It stops and thinks. If I say this, what's the outcome? If I say this, what's the outcome? Is it good or bad? And if it's not good, don't say it. That's discretion. Thinking before we speak, right? And so I want to just wrap this up here with giving you a, a, an acronym on, on think. Some of you might have heard this before, but it, it's a great, great acronym. Think, say think. The T is for this, T. Is it truthful? And before you, you're, you're going to speak or say something, ask yourself, this is discretion, right? Is it truthful? What I'm about to say, is it truthful? T, truthful. H, is it helpful? Is it helpful? Is it helpful? The I, is it inspirational? Is it inspiring? And so as I'm speaking, T, is it truthful? H, is it helpful? I, is it, is it inspirational? The N, listen now, is it necessary? Is it really necessary? 
It might be, but not always, right? And the K, is it kind? Is it kind? T, is it truthful? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspirational? N, is it necessary? K, is it kind? Is it kind? So think before we speak, because wise people do that. And if we're wise, we will know the correct things to say and when it's best not to speak at all. Amen? Hey, guess what? We just learned lessons for life. Let's all stand. Let's praise him. He's worthy. Amen? Let's all stand. Father, we...